You're listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. This episode, Votes That Matter. The most fundamental right in a democracy is the right to vote and to have that vote matter. Only then can we have rule by law and set the course for peace, order, and good government. Individual rights and freedoms can be assured. That's the Canadian way. Many Canadians look south in horror at the decline in democracy, the cancer at the heart of the American experiment. We see American politics divided into cultural factions incapable of civility and compromise. Voter suppression is carried out with fascist precision. Gerrymandering has turned into a fine art. Their crazy system gives two senators to every state regardless of size. Their weird electoral college confirms presidents who did not get the most votes. Their Supreme Court has become a star chamber, secret, corrupt, and unaccountable. In short, American democracy is in freefall and a warning against complacency. A reckoning is ahead for them, and 2024 will be a critical year. Canada is nowhere close to being as bad. The United States, however, is a cautionary tale. Since we also have problems, we need to fix things while we can and with goodwill. And a big part of this is how we vote, how we elect politicians and leaders. Some may argue that there is no urgency in Canada. I would respond that the best time to negotiate is when friends can still talk, engage, compromise, make concessions, and affirm core values. You don't want to negotiate with a gun to the head. Canada can start fixing how we elect members of Parliament. Reform of how we vote is actually a popular thing to do. When Justin Trudeau first won office, he promised to end the the first-past-the-post system of electing MPs. That commitment arguably won him his electoral victory. He promptly broke that promise, claiming there was no agreement on an alternative. That is, nobody agreed with his solution, and he would consider no other option. Trudeau wanted preferential ballots, a reform that favoured the Liberals. The Conservatives were mute on the whole topic. The NDP wanted a form of proportional representation. Since there's no agreement to this day, let me offer a different approach. The first goal is to ensure that individual votes matter. A second goal is to strengthen provincial voices to balance the loss in responsibility they'd experience under constitutional renovation, which I discussed. This idea is that In federal elections, proportional representation be applied at the provincial level. I call it Provincial Proportional Representation, or PPR. For federal elections, individual ridings would be abolished. Political parties would campaign within their province, led by provincial leaders. Of course, the national leaders would play a major role, but it would not be all about them. The number of seats assigned to a province would be based on population, no change there. With no local constituency candidates, provincial parties would promote their party policies and propose slates of candidates. National leaders and platforms would still be prominent, but the provincial party leader would have an expanded role. Voters would mark their ballots for their party of choice. 
seats would be assigned to each party in proportion to the party vote within the province. Provincial party leaders would select the MPs from that party slate. Should a member of parliament retire or die, the office would be filled from the slate by the provincial leader. Does this mean you no longer have a local MP? Well, yes, but this is less of a loss than you think. The majority of Canadians are represented by a member of parliament they did not personally vote for and may totally disagree with. This is the nature of first-past-the-post. Many Canadians actively despise their MP, no names named. These alienated voters never feel that their member really serves them. They feel disenfranchised because they are. The idea that MPs can personally do very much for their riding is somewhat overblown. Yes, they can help people navigate the bureaucracy. That's basic constituency services. On the big issues, they are, as Pierre Trudeau once remarked, nobodies. They sit in a caucus, and however much they may speak out behind those closed doors, party cohesion rules and their power is limited. Under PPR, Every party would open service offices across a province to represent their party and engage with voters. Those same offices could provide both federal and provincial services. They would court future voters with good constituency services. Every voter would go to the party they voted for when they need help with the constituency matter. Federal campaigns today are all about national leaders national fundraising, and national campaigns. Local candidates struggle to be known. Candidates today even require the blessing of a party leader simply to be listed on the ballot. It's the opposite of a big tent. Toe the party line or be disqualified. Once elected, follow caucus decisions obediently. No mavericks allowed. Under PPR, all ballots would have meaning since all ballots help a preferred party win seats. Small parties would have a chance to get a toehold. New ideas would have a chance to emerge. One big advantage of PPR is that all parties could promote their talent and build a strong bench. We hear critics talk about having term limits. Well, think of it the other way around. Let's value experience. Ideally, there should be a way for people interested in public service to learn the ropes. The Romans had what they called a cursus honorum. It was a career path. We should learn from that. Under PPR, citizens could learn the basics of government service while working in a provincial party service center. Perhaps run for municipal or provincial office. When the time is right, they could be added to an election slate and start on that career path. The party would not have to worry that one of their star candidates suffers a painful loss in a close three-way race. They could develop talent and be ready to govern. To complement PPR, we should also consider dynamic voting using online technology. Under dynamic voting, citizens would register with a secure voter database they could register as supporters of a political party, as Americans do, or simply register as independent. Those who do register with a party would have their vote automatically cast on Election Day. So it's very, very simple. Parties would campaign hard to get voters to register with their party. 
voters who register as an independent could vote online at any time up to the election date. And of course, in-person voting would continue on election day. Every voter, regardless of registration, could revise the online ballot at any time up to voting day. If you discover the party has a new policy you absolutely hate, you can change your mind and your vote. Because the election database can provide real-time information, the big picture data on who's doing well would be public. It would be like seeing polling data, but more accurate. Naturally, individual voter preferences are always secret, but the big picture would be public. This online voting system would also be available for formal referendums on key policy issues. For example, dynamic voting could be used to capture public assent for constitutional issues such as the option of creating a single national public health care system. With both PPR and dynamic voting, we'd see seats within a province going to all parties that have meaningful support. The Greens would win more seats. An Alberta Independence Party might win a few seats, and a Maritime Party might not be far behind. Just like the Bloc Québécois today. In every case, provincial party leaders might wield more power in Parliament. A small caucus can have a meaningful voice. This would counterbalance the loss of responsibility at the provincial level in areas like interprovincial trade, health, or education. The provincial caucuses would counterbalance the influence of national party leaders, and yes, it would mean minority governments much of the time. This is a good thing. I know, we constantly hear leaders asking for a strong mandate, and you can't blame them. Coalitions and minority governments are hard work. Minority governments often force compromise. Yes, they can also produce endless deadlock. There are examples of both from around the world. The key to success is the culture of the house and a reduction in the vitriol so often heard and seen. In Canada, minority government has generally worked well even if the prime ministers of the day disliked having to seek support from across the aisle. Some of Canada's most meaningful legislation has been passed under a minority. Our health system, for example, was created in 1965 under a Pearson minority pressured by the NDP. Ideally, a prime minister will practice the art of the possible and will have the ability to inspire, cajole, persuade, and horse trade. We see this today in Ottawa as the Liberals negotiated a deal with the NDP that forced both parties to compromise. To stay in power, Trudeau committed to a new dental care program for low-income Canadians and a national pharmacare program by 2023. In a majority government, both were extremely unlikely. Minority governments under PPR would build a political culture that rewarded integrity, civility, and persuasion. Of course, important issues would lead to heated disputes. Of course, some regions would feel shunned. But equally often, compromises would force innovation and change. Formal coalition governments would become more common. Under a formal coalition, which is found in many democracies, members from minority parties may serve in cabinet. This would lead to a return of ministerial accountability, a concept that's disappeared in Canada. Today, in Ottawa, everything is controlled by what's called the centre. 
bureaucratic slang for the prime minister's office and the privy council office, that central power in the hands of PMO staff would be held in check. The point here is that under provincial level proportional representation, PPR, and with dynamic voting, politics would change. Every vote should and would make a difference. Provinces would be better represented at the national level. Civility would become the norm. Collaboration would become essential. Confederation would be stronger. Most of this reform would have been impossible even a few decades ago. The technology did not allow it. But if we want to have a constitutional renovation to fit the world we live in today, it's definitely time to reform how we vote. Make the votes matter. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond-White. My thanks to Tom Evans for the artwork, Tom Platt for the theme music, and to Harbinger Media. Tune in again next week.